Mac Power Users, Episode 44, Taking Notes. Welcome, everyone, to the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Are you feeling better, David? Yes, I am. Thank you. I don't sound entirely better, but I'm uh, feeling a lot better. Getting over a little bit of a cold. This isn't the uh, the Macworld sludge, is it? No, you know, I didn't get sick after Macworld this year. I managed to survive, but here I am, what, three weeks later, and I came down with something. But uh, I'll live. Yeah, I, I was fortunate as well. I didn't come down with anything. So I'll, I'll let you keep your germs to yourself. Yeah. I'll stand safely on my side of the mic. Um. But getting back from Macworld and getting back into the swing of things at work has, has always been a little chaotic. But we, we thought maybe we'd help a little bit with a, uh, a topic this uh, time on taking notes, which is something that I've struggled with both kind of in my personal and professional life a little bit. Just, you know, technology is a help and a hindrance sometimes in this area. Yes, note-taking on the computer. Okay, so we all had our three-ring binders, and we were ready to go, all right? Or peachies, you know, remember peachies, or am I dating myself? No, you're dating yourself. Okay, well, peachy folders were really cool in my day. But then we got computers, and we wanted to make sure that we could take notes on those. So what did we do? You know, we, you know, we got a word processor or something, and we started writing stuff down. When I, when I was going to law school in the early 90s, and... Uh, uh, laptops were starting to show up and people were taking notes. I used one of the coolest note-taking devices ever known, and I don't think it's been replaced to date. It was a Tandy, or I think it was called a Radio Shack at that point, WP-102, I think, or 100. And it was basically a little plastic enclosure with a keyboard and an eight-line LCD display with, with terrible resolution. How how big was that physically? Um, it was about the footprint of a 13-inch MacBook, and it was about, um, I think, an inch or about a couple inches thick. Okay. Maybe a little thinner. But, um, you know, it was, which was amazingly small for the time. Because you remember that was when compact computers were around and they were like a suitcase. But so this thing, all it did was it wrote down text. And I got my hands on one of those things and figured out how to connect it. And, uh, and I was good to go because I could just sit down and write text files. So I made outlines and classes with it. And it was way cooler than the IBM, I think, ThinkPads or whatever, you know, all the rich kids were buying. And, uh, you know, it was a great way to take notes. But, you know, so we move forward and technology is increasing. And here we are in 2011 and we're trying to figure out how to digitally take notes. And it's not a simple question anymore. I don't think that, and I don't think it's really a simple answer to it either. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to do this. And especially on our Macs and our iOS, iOS devices. So I thought there was a show in it. So here we are. Well, and, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying is that technology can help you and, and technology can also hurt you because things were a lot simpler back then, back when we just had a pad of paper and a pencil and then back when, when all you had was the option was just to take simple text notes and you know maybe some bulleted list and things like that. When I went to law school in the early 2000s, so you know a little more than 10 years after you did, um, I did not take fancy notes. I took notes, please don't hurt me, um, using just Microsoft Word's built-in outlining feature because there was no, um, what is Microsoft's product, OneNote uh, for the Mac at that time. And I still don't think there is OneNote for the Mac at that time. Um, 
just in basic outline form, you know, using the, the outlining feature. And, you know, I, I, I got by pretty good. And I just found that, you know, the simpler was better. You know, the more you started color coding things and, and the more you started doing all other kinds of things, the the more problems you, you brought into it. But, um, you know, now we're introducing iPads into the mix and iPhones into the mix and, uh, you know, electronic pens and, and graphics and, and all kinds of things. And uh, what's what's good and what's bad? So you took notes in Microsoft Word. Sorry. Well, part of that sound... That's the sound of my soul crying. <laughs> part of it was I didn't know a whole lot better, and and part of it was just from a collaboration standpoint. You know, I I needed them to. You know, that was what the school used. The school was a Microsoft school that used Microsoft products, and I needed to be able to exchange documents back and forth with everybody else. Yeah, I'm not really giving it a fair shake. Microsoft Word does have an outlining function built in. I just have never found it very intuitive or useful, um, even on. The PC, there are better outlining applications. But you're right, you know, whatever works. Like I said, I was taking them just with raw text, and it worked great for me. But, you know, let's talk about the present. So, you know, and we're going to break the show into two phases. We're going to talk about the Mac and the iOS, because I think both of them are worthy discussion here. But even before we get then, even before we get there, you know, what types of note-taking are there? Because it's not just sitting in a class taking notes. There's a lot of context that you can take notes in. Uh, the, the first one is, you know, the thing we've been talking about where you're in a room and someone's talking and you're writing things down. But you also just take notes when you're sitting researching or studying something. I, I know that I take notes when I do research projects, when I'm sitting alone in my office or the library or wherever I may be. I take notes. And, you know, there's applications I use for that, and they're not necessarily the same. Right. Um, so let's talk about the meeting notes first, because I think that's probably one of the more common contexts. And you wrote a very interesting blog post about this today, and I think it's a topic that, that we've talked about a lot before. Um, and something that I've struggled with quite a bit is that the the computer and or the iPad can actually be uh, a barrier sometimes to the actual conversation or the actual meeting that you're trying to have. Yeah, I have a post called Electrons Versus Meetings. and the idea was, you know, we're nerds and we want to use technology in our meetings, but exactly, you know, where does it work and at what point are we using technology just because we have it and not necessarily being as productive as we'd like to be? Mm-hmm. Well, one example that, that I can tell you that where technology really worked for me this year and it hasn't worked for me in a lot of other settings uh, was Blog World. This year at Blog World, I think we did a show on this. I did not take my Mac. I only took my iPad. Uh, and there were several good presentations and several uh, presentations where I sat down with my iPad uh, and took a lot of notes from what the presenters had to say. And that was good on a lot of levels. Number one, um, because I wasn't taking notes on a computer and because the iPad back then, this was before 4.3, and still to some degree now, you know, doesn't have the true window multitasking that a computer does. So I wasn't taking notes and Twittering and Facebooking and instant messaging and doing all of those things at the same time. You know, I was really just taking notes. And as I looked around the room, I saw everybody else had their computer open and maybe they were taking notes, but really they were surfing the internet. Really they were Twittering. Really they were Facebooking. You know, they were doing all these other things uh, besides actually taking notes. And I know you know that's got to be such a distraction to some degree to the to the speaker wondering what are all these people doing on their computers are they actually taking notes you know about me or are they 
the doing other things. Um, so on one hand, I found the iPad to be great in that context because it was the type of conference and the type of setting where people were expected to have technology. And uh, it, it was not a distraction because everybody there had iPads, everybody there had Macs, everybody there had computers. But in an office setting and, and still in my office, if I walk into a meeting with my iPad and sit down to take notes, the iPad immediately becomes the focus of the meeting. And before we can get any type of productive work done, we've still got to do, you know, a year after its release, 15 minutes and ooh and on the iPad. And, and I know that people to some degree, you know, either aren't taking me seriously or just think that I'm the geek kid in the room because I'm doing something on my iPad. You know, I'm in a small office too, and I experienced that at the beginning, but that ended pretty quickly because, uh, you know, I kind of walk in the room with a take no BS attitude anyway. I mean, my time's valuable. If I'm going to sit in a meeting, we're going to work. And um, everybody in the office kind of knows that about me. So I don't get too much of that. But we're going to talk about the iOS stuff later, and I don't really want to jump ahead yet unless unless you want to switch that. No, no, that's fine. But, I mean, I definitely have thoughts about how the iPad works in meetings. But technology in general, I think the trick is to be objective about what you're using and say, okay, is this really more efficient this way? I mean, is using this bit of technology going to work for me? And in meetings in particular, I kind of have a problem using laptops in meetings because I feel like it's like this, this barrier you're erecting. And I find it's harder to communicate with people. You know, and the purpose of a meeting, really, if it's if it's a proper meeting, is to talk to each other and to share ideas. And a lot of times in my business, it's about getting information from people, you know, getting clients to kind of open up and tell me what's going on. And the more barriers I put up, the, the less likely I'm going to be successful in that objective. And I feel like when you lift the lid on a computer, you really are building a wall between you and the person on the other side of the table. And... It's very easy to be distracted to pull your eyes down to your screen instead of looking at them in the eyes. It's very easy for them to think that you're sitting there doing Twitter or playing some game or something rather than than paying attention to their problems. So in general, I try to leave the laptop out of the meetings whenever possible. Uh, The exception would be when I have a presentation or I need to share some bit of data from the computer. But even then... I'm really particular about putting it to the side where everybody can see the screen or having it connected to a projector or something so everybody knows that, hey, I'm here working on your problem. I'm not here goofing off. So in general, I'm against computers taking meetings, but that doesn't mean I'm not against computers and Macs for, for taking notes because there's a lot of other contexts. So we should probably get started on talking about the Mac apps. But before we do that, let's talk about our first sponsor. Uh, And let's talk about a great tool that can be used to help you take notes either on your Mac or on your iOS device, and that is Text Expander, uh, made from our friends at Smile. Uh, Smile takes uh, makes a version of Text Expander for the Mac. In fact, they just released uh, this week Text Expander version three point two point four. But they also make a version of Text Expander for the iOS devices, Text Expander Touch, which will work on both an iPad or an iPhone, and it integrates with dozens and I, you know, maybe even hundreds of other applications at this point to expand small snippets of text into much larger blocks of text that can help you take notes much more quickly and much more efficiently. Yeah, if you have a, a word processor or a text editor on 
the iPad and it doesn't have text expander support built in, I don't even, I don't even spend time on it because I've got so much invested in these snippets and especially on the iPad keyboard, using snippets really is a time saver. Right. Uh, you can save a lot of keystroke by just typing these short abbreviations and letting them expand. And then on the Mac, it's an even more powerful tool because it will automatically correct your typos. You can do fill-in snippets for forms. So if you have boilerplate language, but maybe you need to add in a few specific variables here or there, you can do that. I have a lot of, a lot of abbreviations uh, that I use uh, that will expand into full words so that my notes although they may make sense to me, will make sense to other people who are reading them if they come back behind me. And the other thing you can do on the Mac is it runs shell scripts and Apple scripts. And there are some people like, you know, Brett Terpstra, the guy who does notational velocity alt, I got to meet him this year at Macworld. And he has done some crazy text expander snippets using shell scripts that just do all kinds of great things. So uh, really there is, there's almost no limit to where you can go with this. And and also, Macworld, we got to see some cool upcoming features, which we probably aren't supposed to talk about. But um, there's a lot of good reasons to use Text Expander. Yeah. The newest version of Text Expander uh, came out this week. It's version 3.2.4. It adds support for new HTML and CSS predefined snippet groups. And I believe our good friend Jay Ov uh, helped to create some of those forms, uh, which takes advantage of the new fill-in snippet format. So especially for you coders out there, this may be something that you want to take a look at that can shave a lot of time off your workflows. So thanks, uh, Smile Software, for supporting the podcast. You can find more information at smilesoftware.com. Text Expander retails for thirty four ninety five, dollars uh, or you can also get family packs. Yes. So let's talk about taking notes on your Mac. All right. It starts with Granddad, right? My favorite of all of the note-taking applications, the one that I wish I had found in law school. Sorry, David. Uh, is Omni Outliner. Yes, I agree. It's a great app. Uh, it's it's actually the one that you and I are using right now. It's the one that we use to uh, do all of our show notes in. Uh, it's the one that I think you talked about that you used when you outlined Mac at work. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's. I think it's the uh, you know it's it's version three. It's been around a while, but they've got a new version coming soon. They did a preview at MacWorld, and they've got an iOS version coming down the pike. And it's just the premier outlining application on the Mac. I think I use it whenever I need to bring order from chaos is the way I'd look at it. You know, I get a bunch of uh, little pieces of information. I'm not sure how everything fits together. A lot of times I feel uh, Omni Outliner is the place to just start dropping that stuff and then then start putting it together inside the Omni Outline. Yeah. Uh, what I really like about it is it, it gives me a way to, and I think maybe putting order to chaos is a good way to put it, um, to get a lot of big rocks, I guess is what one of my law school professors would have called it, big rocks in, you know, a lot of big ideas, and then really drill down from there. And then if you decide, no, that doesn't quite fit, or no, this needs to go somewhere else, you know, whether it's just drag and drop. And, and that works better for me because sometimes I feel the need to physically manipulate things on the screen to put them where they need to go. Um, or, or to use the keyboard shortcuts, that's probably much more efficient. Uh, well, you know, Omni Outliner is really very powerful. In addition to being an outlining application, it's kind of a spreadsheet slash um, database as well because you can add columns and you, it can do some basic arithmetic. And, it, you know, it does a lot more than just outlining. So Sure, you, uh, can, you can check off with, things. or Yeah, I mean, you, a lot of people start with Omni Outliner as just a list and then they put checkboxes. In fact... 
OmniFocus, you know, my beloved OmniFocus really started or grew out of um, a set of macros built in OmniOutline, you know, that, you know, the kinkless system. And they said, hey, let's make an app out of it. But I know a lot of people that still use OmniOutliner as their task management system. You just build a list and put a checkbox next to them and you're good to go. So uh, Omni Outliner is is currently version three. I guess they're they're getting a new one. Uh, the current retail price is, which I should have already, thirty nine ninety five. Okay, and they have family licenses, and then they also have a professional version, don't they? Uh, they do have a professional version. We'll talk a a little bit more about that. But the basic differences um, between the family and the pro version um, is the the pro version. Uh, has some additional clipping services. They have additional save templates and the ability to do some audio recording and things like that. And the templates are really useful. For instance, I take depositions and I have deposition templates for experts of various degrees and, and disciplines and witnesses. And I have these templates already built with many of the common subjects I'll cover in a deposition. So when I start a new deposition outline, I just pull the template that I want and I'm already well along my way. Uh, another great thing about Omni Outliner that I like is is the ability to open and save to many different file formats. So if you're working with people who aren't on Macs, you can put an Omni Outline into a PDF or you can put it into OPML. And uh, OPML is just amazing. It's something I think we've talked about in prior shows, and I know I wrote a, wrote a big blog entry on it. It allows you to basically share outline formats, and it works between Scrivener, Omni Outliner, most of the mind mapping applications so you can make this data portable. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I like is that uh, Adam Christensen of the Matcast, our good buddy, does his show notes in Omni Outliner. And I think when he's done, uh, he does very detailed show notes and he exports them to HTML. So when you go to his website, uh, you know, you can expand them, you can collapse them, you can check them off and do all kinds of things. Yeah, really, in my opinion, uh, if you're going to do any outlining on the Mac, just go get on the Outliner. I, I don't think there really is a competitor. Maybe I'll hear about it in the show, in the comments to the show. But I have uh, I've been very pleased with Omni Outliner, and uh, I've never felt any need to go look for something else because this thing has always done what I needed it to do. Right. But there are other types of note taking on the Mac besides just outlining. So there are a lot of other products for the Mac that will work for taking notes. I mean, this exactly this show covers more than just taking notes. One that I probably use, and, and we've talked about this one quite a bit before on the show, is Evernote. And Evernote is kind of, by the way, have you been successful? I know this has been your, your you given your Evernote your yearly try again. Yeah, I play with it once a year. And uh, it, I think Evernote is an, in my case, an elegant uh, solution where I don't have a problem, you okay. know, uh, but it, it seems okay. I mean, they, they, it's definitely gotten, uh, it'd help if I spoke English, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's definitely become more user-friendly, although I still feel that the export is not really very efficient and it, when it's easy to get stuff in. It's not so easy to get stuff out. That is the biggest problem with Evernote, but it's still for me has become my, my everything else storage container. Um, and I've also found myself taking quite a bit of notes in Evernote simply because it, it does have that cloud sync service. So I know that anything I throw in it is going to be on the iPad. It's going to be on the Mac. It's going to be on the iPhone and it's going to be on my work PC. Um, I just, even if I, if I'm not out, you know, if I'm out and about in a situation where, 
I don't necessarily expect to have to be taking notes. I've always got my iPhone with me, and we'll talk about this more in the iOS section, so I can do it there. Now, the thing that is, I'm not crazy about in Evernote is that they don't have, you know, great text editing function in there. It, you know, it's it's pretty basic. You can you can create a new note, and and you've pretty much got bold, italics, underline, you know, numbered and bulleted list, and and that's kind of the extent of it. I think you've got some check boxes and, and things like that that you can do, um, but you're not going to get real detailed. And and maybe for for something you know like we're using it for. Maybe that's better. I don't know. Um, now, I, I know there was some controversy before that they didn't support the RTF standard, and I don't know if that's true anymore. Do you Have you had any experience with that? Um, they've gotten a little bit better in I, – I still don't know if they support the RTF standard, but I know that at least in their app architecture, um, they have gotten better with allowing you to edit notes that that have formatting in them. They've got yeah. they've got a, a what they call it is you you can have a note that has formatting or you can have a note that that has no formatting or, and they just call that simplify formatting. Yeah, RTF is rich text formatting, right. and you know I know there there was at some point an issue with that, and I didn't really experience it too much because I never really you know kind of grokked how to use Evernote, so I've never been a big user of it. Well, and part of the issue was if you created a note, let's say on your Mac that. You know, maybe it was a bulleted list. Maybe you had bold some items. Maybe you underlined. Maybe you used italics or something like that. Um, and then you brought that. You could view that note um, with the formatting. I'm not going to call it RTF because I I don't think it was truly that. But if you brought that note with the formatting, you could view it with the formatting on the iOS device. But but you couldn't edit it. What you had to do is you had to do this wacky. Um, a, you know, append to the note in simple text or plain text or simplified formatting or however they called it. Um, and they have fixed that to some degree where now they let you save out a version of the note in simplified formatting and save over it. So you you lose some of the formatting, but at least you're not working with a bunch of different types of notes. Okay, but I've been mean to Evernote long enough. I mean, let's talk about the good things that Evernote does. It allows you to sync on iOS devices, on Macs and PCs, all these notes, not only just text files, but also pictures and media files. It just does a really good job of keeping a central depository of, uh, of, of uh, files for you to access from any device. Yeah. Um, and it also lets you put different kinds of, of notes in there. You know, For example, you can take a new note um, from your eyesight. You can take a new note from the camera um, uh, in your iOS device, if you if you want to do that, uh, you know, if you're using the iPad app, they have a recording feature, so you can you can take uh, audio to go along with the with the note that you're doing. So that's helpful as well. But more than anything, it's just the the ability to sync across multiple platforms and have the notes everywhere, and to be able to throw anything in this. I've I've been in the process. I don't know that I told you. I've been in the process of possibly designing a house. Um, and I've been throwing floor plans and then watching a lot of HGTV. And no matter where I am, I get this random idea for something that I want to include. And I've got a note in Evernote called house ideas that's getting quite long. But just, you know, any random thought that comes into my mind gets jotted down in there. And next time I talk to the designer, no, that's what I, I open that up and we go through it. And Evernote does a, a good job of allowing you to uh, do text OCR, text recognition on your photos and PDFs with a paid account. Right. 
uh, and the premium account is $5 a month or $45 a year. Yeah, it's very reasonable. Uh, what I don't like about Evernote is that if you don't have that premium account um, and you don't have any internet access on your phone, which unfortunately for me, sometimes that can be the case uh, with my lack of AT&T coverage issue, you're out of luck. Um, because with the premium account, you can select certain notes that you want to have stored on your iPhone. But if you don't have a premium account, you can't select any notes to save. Okay, so in what context do you take notes using Evernote? Everywhere, anywhere. Okay, so just for a point of contrast, I'm the outliner, I take notes. You know, I'm doing research work all the time. Right. And one of the things you can do on the outliner is you can drag in... Uh, other assets and files. So like I will drag in a PDF of a case I've read or a document that's been scanned and I'll have a bunch of those embedded into my notes using on the outliner. Do you do that in Evernote? Evernote is for one of two things and they're for two different things. If I'm working on a specific project, um, I will create a notebook in Evernote and I'll throw in PDFs and pictures and things like that and I'll create a notebook in Evernote for a specific project. And that's something more like you're talking about where I could, you could throw in cases, you could throw in research articles, you could throw in whatever into a particular notebook. More often than not, what I use Evernote for uh, is simple text notes, um, notes to self, random notes that don't really go anywhere else. If I'm working on a, on a larger project or a research project, usually I'll use one of the other methods. Now, and any, Dave, that, anything yeah. major, you know, any, any major product project that I'm outlining usually goes in the Omni outliner. And so they've, and they've added now the ability to, to create folders so you can organize your, your projects, right? I think they call them notebooks. Okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, cause that's one thing they had that I didn't, they didn't have that I kind of annoyed me is you had this big long list and they wanted you to tag it. And it seemed to me like the whole thing was just you know, fiddly and took too much of my time and I didn't get enough benefit out of it. So I, I dumped it and I, I never have got back on the bandwagon with Evernote. But that kind of leads us to the next application for taking notes, um, Yojimbo, which I think kind of pre, you know, predates Evernote. But in some ways, I, I kind of view it in my mind as a local Evernote. It is. Yojimbo does some, some sharing via mobile me, but that's it. It doesn't have any other cloud sync besides mobile me. Yeah, but they've got an iPad app now too. They do. Yeah. But it syncs via, the iPad app syncs via Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. Well, Yojimbo, I, I like Yojimbo better than Evernote um, because the export is is really seamless. That's true. And it's a and it's a Mac app. You know, it feels like a Mac app. It's a local, you know, Cocoa built application instead of a, a web app. And I, I understand Evernote does have a local app as well, but um, I guess the it doesn't you know, have the Mac feel that Yojimbo does. Yeah, and I guess that's and to me that's a valuable thing. I, and maybe I'm too much of a nerd, but that really is a big deal to me. If I open an app and it feels like, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's well designed, I, I don't use it. But to be honest, I don't use Yojimbo anymore either, <laughs> and that's been kind of usurped by the next app we're going to talk about. Um, I find that you know, for keeping scraps of information and PDFs and things like that, I I have a nested set of folders, and we've talked about that on the show with the um, paperless episode and other times during the years we've been doing this. And I find that, you know, just quickly launch bar moving uh, files and assets into these nested folders keeps everything where I need it. So I don't need an application to manage that stuff for me. 
One of the things I really like about Yojimbo, though, and I did a lot of research into Yojimbo as I was researching um, my paperless presentation at Macworld, um, is it does have a, a very good built-in system for security. If you want to encrypt uh, certain areas of Yojimbo or just certain you know, notes or documents or things that you put in Yojimbo, uh, it really gives you some finite control over the security features, whereas other uh, applications don't necessarily do, necessarily do that. Yeah, and, and putting in the context of taking notes, you know, Jimbo, once again, you can open a text file, start typing away. Uh, you can copy in assets like PDFs or pictures or anything like that or, or web links. And it's got a, a robust tagging system, so you can tag everything very easily. And, and you, could, you could keep a research project or note project together very, very simply. And when you need to get it out of there to use it in some other context, it's very easy to do that as well. Right. Yeah, I'm a fan of Yojimbo. I, I almost think I need to, to look at this one more than Evernote. And, and, you know, but once again, things seem to be working okay for me now. And if I don't need the extra software, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. So now let's talk about your favorite notational velocity <laughs> alt. Are you cheating? It used to be Simple Note. Oh no! They're well. They, oh, simple, simple note, note and uh, simple notes. The iPhone version. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like peanut butter and, and chocolate. Oh, you and know, chocolate. I mean, it's just like you know you, the Reese's. You got to have the whole thing. You know, um, notational velocity uh, alt is a uh, is a fork of a great open source application. Notational velocity. And in fact, I've already talked about the author once in the show. Brett is a is a really smart guy. And you know, he wanted to do a few extra things that notational velocity doesn't do. So he's made this this fork of it. And, you know, if you don't want to use his, you can just use the basic notational velocity. They both work great. But what makes them awesome is that they work directly with SimpleNote. And SimpleNote is a web-based text service where you can keep all these text files on the web. And notational velocity is basically a wrapper on your Mac that accesses that data in a native Mac app. And it's, it's super fast, gets out of your way. It's really easy to search it, really easy to create a new text file. And for me, because I work with words, that's a big deal. You know, in fact, having a great system for text to me is more important than having a system that does everything like Evernote and Yojimbo do. And that's the realization that hit me, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, whenever it was that notational velocity and simple notes started kind of getting traction. That what I really need more than anything is just a way to easily have text anywhere. And, um, you know, I've been writing a lot about this at Max Barkey lately too, but I, I just think that for me, having a, a Universal text system is the answer, and notational velocity is the is the application on the Mac that does it best. So, it's a free application. Uh, you get it at um, uh, well, you can get notational velocity alt at Brett Tepstra. That's a b r e t t t e r p s t r a dot com. But or you can get the notational velocity. Just Google it. But it, having that on your Mac makes it dead simple to keep and organize text files. And I take notes in it all the time. What, what are a, the main differences between notational velocity and notational velocity alt? Uh, you know, it's got a widescreen mode and it's got a preview for markdown. It's got a couple nerdy things and, you know, just try them both. Yeah. In fact, right now there's a little bit of an issue because they've changed the way the database works. So, uh, you know, there, you may want to wait until Brett gets that sorted out, but it'd probably be done by the time the show goes up. Uh, but, you know, the point is that it's really, it's kind of a, a very specific purposed item. If you're working with text, then that's what you need. If you're, if you're designing a house and you need a bunch of pictures and floor plans, 
it's not going to help you. But for just managing text, it's great. And I use it to manage a lot of stuff. Like I keep uh, basic forms in my, you know, my day job. I'm an attorney, so I have different forms that I've developed over the years of how do I want a jury instruction written or something. And I keep them as text files in my notational velocity database or my simple note database. So I can be working in Word or Pages or Scrivener or whatever I want and say, oh, yeah, I need that jury instruction. And I've got a code in notational velocity for jury instructions. And I type, you know, one word, um, jury instruction with no space. And then it gives me a list of all the ones that I have like this. I can scroll through it or I can type a few more words and drill down, grab that text and just paste it in wherever I'm at and just keep going. So is it almost fair to say that notational velocity is kind of like a... um a, a big clipboard for you in, in some yeah, way? Yeah, in some way. It's, it's a lot of things. It's a text bank, I think, is one way to put it, where I keep a lot of text in there that I want to use again. It's also just a running series of thoughts. Somebody calls me and says, you know, I need your help, and this is the problem I have. I'll just quickly open a notational velocity note while I'm talking to the person on the phone and just start writing down whatever they're telling me so I've got, you know, some basic notes to work from. Mm-hmm. I also do long-form writing using it. You know, I'll start writing if I'm on the road, and we'll talk about it with iOS because everything syncs together. I can open up those things because Simple Note is on iOS on my iPad or my iPhone and keep working from there. Okay. Well, this this next one, let's talk a little bit about the the LiveScribe pen because this is something that I, I saw with you at MacWorld. I think you bought one. I haven't yet. I actually bought one at Christmas time, got the box, had it in my hot little hands at home, um, and then turned around and sent it back because I just wasn't sure that this was going to solve my problems. Okay, so we're going off the Mac here for a minute. We're going to talk about something that has nothing to do with your Mac. And well, if you're it, a P- it kind of does. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's not taking notes with your Mac. It's okay. taking notes with a pen and paper, really, is what it is. But it's a, it's a nerdy pen and paper. Well, that's important. So the LiveScribe is a um, it's a pen and it's a pen with a computer in it and it's got a little infrared sensor in it and a speaker and a microphone. I mean, at its bare core, so it's a little fatter than a normal pen. And uh, and that's the way- what honestly that's what turned me off is I got the I got the box in my hand and I looked through the little window at the box and I saw how big that pen was. Yeah, and they they have a new one. I have the old one. The new one apparently fits your hand a little better. The old one is just kind of a big barrel in the okay. cylinder. And the new one is, I guess, more ergonomic. Hmm. But anyway, uh, so I so the way the pen works is it comes with special paper. They call it micro dot paper, and it's this paper. If you look at it very carefully, it has little tiny dots, and those the location and spacing of those dots is what tells the pen where you are on the page. And you can print your own paper from their website or you can buy it. It's not much more expensive than regular paper. So it's all good. And the way it works is when you write down with this pen and it's turned on, the infrared camera records the pen strokes in relation to the micro dots. So then when you sync it to your computer, it will um, recreate your written page as a PDF file on there. So it's like a digital backup of your handwriting. Which is cool. I mean, I was in at that point, you know, when I saw the first demo because I'm like, that's great. Because, you know, if I lose my notebook, I don't lose all my notes. Right. Now, this is what I do to get around that problem is, you know, I've got a I've got a legal pad of paper. I take notes um, and then I write at the top of the page what this note is recording. I stick it in a box and my assistant scans it and sticks it in the file. 
okay, that works just as well. Okay. And so that takes involves another person and you know, there's a there is a potential for error there or or getting lost. Sure. Just like there is, I guess you could lose the pin on the way from the conference room to your computer. But uh, I really like this because it's digital and it, it indexes and it's it's all done for you. So, um, but it does something more. If you set it to record, it will run the recorder inside the pen and index that recording to the pen strokes. So if you're writing notes, 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 and you know, you're talking to someone about building a house and, and you get to the point you want to talk about the windows and you just write the word windows down. And then you have this long conversation about windows. Well, when you come back later, you just touch the pen to the page where it says windows and the recording starts playing from the point that you were, what you were saying at the moment you, you spoke those words. So then you'll hear about windows. Okay. Um, okay. So, the, so my little, my little uh, legal pad scanning method doesn't do that. No, no. And, and on the computer as well, the, the file that shows up on your computer, you can tap the words with your mouse and you'll hear the recording of your computer, which is really fantastic because one of the problems I have with, you know, the old analog note-taking method is I'm, I'm terrible at it. You know, it's hard for me to take notes because, once again, when I'm in meetings, I really want to focus on these people and I want to hear what they say and I want to hear what they're not saying. And I want to, you know, I want to hear, I want to be able to kind of interact and get, get the information I need. And doing that requires you to give them a lot of attention and not so much attention to what you're writing down. And I just don't have the ability to do both of those things very well at the same time. So the LiveScribe pen really kind of liberated me to where now I just write signposts down as notes and let the pen record everything that was said. And of course you get their permission first. You don't, right. you know, don't go recording people without their permission. But you know, people understand that you're there trying to help them and they're always willing to agree to that. So how much time do you actually spend going back and listening to the audio of uh, of these meetings that you had? Because I can't imagine if I had, you know, if I took such sparse notes that I had to rely on the audio from these meetings, I'd constantly be reliving these meetings and I'd never be getting anything done. Um, for a lot of it, I never listen to them. Mm-hmm. But usually there'll be one or two points in the meeting where I do need to go back. I mean, you know. I'm not a complete moron. I can right, remember right. a lot of the stuff that was said. So, but uh, there'll be a couple points in some section of the meeting that I definitely need to hear back. And it's even better when, uh, for instance, I had a meeting with a client over a year ago about something, and it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, and then it just turned into a big deal the last couple of days. And I was able to go back and listen to that again and just get caught up immediately. And then I sat down with the client and I had every, all the facts right at my fingertips, which made me look brilliant, mm-hmm. you know, but it was really just the fact that I went back and listened to the meeting again. Okay. Well, maybe I need to so go I, order it again. Yeah. I, I really like the LifeScribe pen and, you know, I guess we're talking about law here, which we tried not to do on the show, but I think you could apply this I to anything. I think it'd be great for a student. Yeah. If you're a web developer, if you're, whatever you do, I mean, I think... Uh, being able to get really good notes like that is helpful. I know that when my daughter starts college, which fortunately is still a few years off, uh, she's definitely going with one. Yeah. Maybe I'll look back into it. Okay. And and the way it works in terms of taking notes is just like you'd think. You'd sit down and write it and take notes. Interestingly, we've talked about the distinction between taking notes for yourself while researching versus taking notes in a meeting. The LiveScribe is a pen I only use while in meetings. I've never sat down and written notes with that sitting alone. Yeah, that ma- that makes sense. That makes for that stuff, sense. I'm always using Omni Outliner or Notational Velocity or something like that. Right. Um, and then I would imagine you you would not grab this pen for a 
you know, a one-on-one phone conference or something. You know, I have used it for phone conferences, and the way I do that is I just put the phone on speaker and I tell everybody, hey, I'm going to record this. Is that okay? Right. Okay, so LiveScribe is pretty cool. It's a hundred bucks. You can spend more if you want with more memory, but they do a lot of good stuff with the compression. The sound, the audio is good enough. It's not super, but it's good enough for this purpose. So uh, you don't need to buy the biggest one, uh, but it's a pretty nice piece of technology. They sell them at like Target. They, they've really kind of broken into the retail chain with this device. Yeah. Well, the the old version is a hundred bucks. The newer versions, I think, are a little more expensive. I think they're like a hundred and fifty and two hundred, depending on which version you get. Okay. Well, I had looked online when we were getting ready for the show. I saw it was a hundred dollars, but I didn't see what the specs were on it. So maybe it is more than that. Right. But even the hundred dollar one, you're going to be fine. I, I have the old one. I have no desire to upgrade it. I'm perfectly happy. Okay. All right. Let's talk about notebook. Yes. So getting back into the to the Mac realm of things, uh, you know, we've all been used to taking notes in a notebook, and this application really tries to mimic on your Mac the notebook experience. Yeah. In fact, I, uh, I think notebook is the closest the Mac comes to Microsoft OneNote. Yeah. Okay. That's probably true. Notebook is like the original Mac app. It, they had it on the next. I mean, it was before Mac OS X, there was Notebook. Oh, I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. So it's really not fair to compare it to OneNote. It may it may predate OneNote, but it, when people from Windows come over and they say, "Hey, I love OneNote," which in my opinion is probably the best piece of software Microsoft has ever created, um, uh, I always tell them go check out Notebook because I think that's really the closest thing to it. Right. And Curio is another one like that. Um, but, we haven't really covered that one, but but Notebook, I, I just like the accessibility of it. But you can do a lot more than just text and notebook. You can drag in images. You can tab it. You can highlight. You can use different colors. You can use different fonts. I, I mean, it it really is like a notebook. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so accessible to people because, you know, it just goes right back to your three-ring binder. In fact, you can put three-ring binder <laughs> holes. In, you, know, you can so. make it look like a notebook. Yeah, and you can put little tabs. And you're right. It, it's just It's just a really nice way of, of organizing information. If you want to organized by project and have any kind of data. If you're, if you're working in the kind of field where you're going to have pictures and movies and PDFs and all this stuff, uh, a notebook is really a good solution. And they have a really nice indexing system. Everything you put in there gets automatically indexed, so it's very easy to find it. Mm-hmm. Another nice thing I like about notebook is it creates, it has a simple task system and a simple outliner. So if you're in a meeting, you can you can add uh, task items. If someone says, okay, David's going to bring the donuts next time, you can write that down and put a checkbox next to it. Um, or you can outline um, you know, something you're talking about and it has diagramming tools. You know, Notebook's kind of like the jack-of-all-trades and master of none. Uh, if you want to use it, and I think it's particularly useful for meetings and note-taking, uh, it, it will do just about everything you need to um, and to, to enough of an extent that you're probably going to be okay. Right. I remember talking to somebody about this and they said, look, you know, I don't want to buy Omni Outliner and Omni Graffle and I don't want to spend, you know, the kind of money to have six different applications. I'm a kind of person who just wants one app to organize this stuff. And I said, then you should probably get Notebook. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, the iPad app for Notebook that I like quite a bit. Um, a little bit later. Well, you, you want to put that in here right now, or 
No, we'll talk, we'll talk about it in the iOS section. Okay. Okay. Um, also, we got to talk about Word. You know, my old law school favorite. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I understand why Word gets a bad rap because there are, quite frankly, a lot better products out there. But at the end of the day, I made it through law school and I made pretty decent grades um, with this just using the simple outlining functions. I think sometimes, you know, simple simple is better, and especially. Uh, if you need compatibility, I think, you know, in your job, you probably work a fair amount more independently than I do. Um, you know, the way that my firm is set up or the way that my office environment is set up, um, a lot of times projects come to me in different stages or, uh, you know, usually I'm, I'm only working on a case for a certain stage and then it either comes to me after it's been partially worked on by another attorney or when I'm done with my part, it goes back to another attorney. So I have to be, you know, very cognizant of, of everything that I do needs to be documented in such a way that it's going to be user-friendly for other people. Um, and as a result, that limits me to some extent that, you know, unless I'm exporting at the end of the day, I'm exporting all of my notes as PDFs or something for the file. Um, you know, it limits me to what I can do. So a lot of the time I end up using Word just because I know this is something I'm going to have to share with somebody else or I know this is something that's going to go somewhere else after it comes through to me. And that's just what my office uses. That's an, that's an excellent point. You know, I mean, where I, in my situation, it's kind of soup to nuts when you take a case, you're there from the beginning to the end. So that gives me a lot more autonomy. And, you know, in addition to Word, I think, you know, Pages also has some outlining features built in. That's true. We should talk about Pages having some outlining features as well. Yeah. So. yeah. Although I think that, you know, for this show, we're talking about taking notes. I don't think Pages or Word really is a good solution. You know, I just don't think that it's, uh, you know, it doesn't have the ability to share data across platforms like you get with Evernote or, or with notational velocity. It doesn't really have the robust outlining tools you get from on the outliner. I, I am definitely in favor of something with a little more beef for the very specific purpose of taking notes when you're going to do it. Right. And I will tell you that when I've had a fairly complex case or a complex issue that I've had to work on, I've done my own outline. I've done my own thing in Omni Outliner and I've ended up exporting it, you know, at the end of the day, because I know this was going off to somebody else. I've ended up exporting it as RTF and, you know, pulling it into a word file um, yeah. because I knew that I would have to pass it along. Yeah. And that works. So, and then another thing we have here in the outline is Google docs, which I think, you know, we talked about word processors. This is a little different. I mean, I think it's really good for uh, collaborative note taking. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to, we're going to give Google docs a, a whirl for our show notes in the future and, and see how that goes. Yeah. So the advantage of Google docs is not really pretty. It's, you know, web based word processing, but uh, they've got collaboration nailed, of course, because it's Google, right? So you could be sitting in a meeting and everybody could be logged into the same Google Docs document and everybody could be typing in on it at once, which I don't think any of these other applications we talked about really support that. Right. Okay. Well, we're getting ready to talk about uh, going to over to iOS and taking notes. But before we do so, let's talk about 1Password. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk lately um, uh, about security of your notes, and and you did a blog post on this, and I think your blog post may have been somewhat related to a, a blog post that One Password did. But um, basically, there was a, a a big buzz about security of the iPhone recently, 
and you know there's a attack on the iPhone where you could reveal your passwords and you could you could get access to all of the information on your phone, your contacts and your calendars and your address book and and all of this other information and is the iPhone really as secure as it should be um, and one password came out and said, well, you know there are potentially some security issues with the iPhone. Uh, but if your information is stored in one fast in one password, uh, it's stored in an encrypted database file uh, that's separate from the encryption provided by iOS. And they've got uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, you know they go into some great detail explaining how the security works and how your data is secured. Um, so if your iOS device is stolen, if someone does get access to your data on the phone you don't necessarily have to worry about them getting access to your data in your 1Password database. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know, you know, how far hackers can go. I mean, I th- I've always felt that once somebody gets your phone, you know, gets your computer or whatever, you know, if they have physical possession of it, that, it, you know, a determined hacker is probably going to get your data at some point. Uh, but the nice thing about 1Password is, is there, it erects another wall. So if someone gets through to your to your phone, they still have to get through the 1Password security, which is going to be no easy feat. And the point I made in my post was, you know, that gives you more time to go and remote wipe. Right. And there, there are different things you can do with, you know, find my iPhone. You can try to recover it. You can try to, you know, lock it or, or, or just wipe it. That's the best way to do it. And, you know, the other nice thing is, look, you know, people are always playing with my iOS devices. And I can't really help myself. You know, I'm kind of, I love Apple's products and I'm at family events and people say, Hey, can I play, check out your iPad? I want to play a game on it or whatever. And I hand it over and I don't really think twice about it because all the really important stuff is locked behind one password. Hmm. So people aren't going to get to that stuff because any, any important notes I have are, are in the secured vault of one password. So you can get it for your iOS devices. They have a $15. You can get the hybrid version and run on both your iPad and your iPhone. Um, you can buy it for your Mac for $40, and they also have a Windows version. And uh, so, you know, no matter what it is you're, you're computing on, you've got a way to securely save your passwords and your data. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is without a doubt. I, I'm using 1Password everywhere with super secure passwords, and um, I just it's, it's not something that I worry about anymore. There's, there's enough to worry about. Yeah. And so that thanks, doesn't, well, that, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for 1Password for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. Uh, they are a longtime sponsor, and we really appreciate it. So we're talking about iOS now. So, you know, because taking notes now is not just about on your Mac. That's true. And it, it goes back to, you know, now we've got these even more portable devices. We used to think that you couldn't get much more portable than a MacBook or a MacBook Air even, but you can. Yeah, so, and that, that really really got me thinking because I was happy using my LiveScribe pen and I was thinking I was just nerdy enough to get stuff done in meetings and all of a sudden this iPad showed up and I'm thinking, well, how can I use this? You know, because <laughs> of course I had you to, are. Right? <laughs> and I got thinking, you know, when we uh, first discussed uh, recording this show, I said, okay, now I need to really give it a chance. You know, I need to take a look at some of these note-taking applications on iOS and see if I can make them work for me, you know, and see if I can replace the LiveScribe with the iPad. And? And I didn't. Oh, okay. So then that's what was the source of my big post of electrons versus uh, meetings. But before I tell my story, how about you? What, you know, in what ways are you using your, your iPad to take notes? I'm using my iPad more and more in my personal life to take notes. And I'm using it a little more in my 
podcast and my Mac life. I don't know. Do I have a Mac life? I want to call that my professional life and my non-legal professional life, I guess. Yeah. Um, to take notes because like I said, it's more accepted. It's not a distraction. It's, it's more people are accustomed to that and it doesn't become the story. Uh, You know, like I said a little earlier, I'm still having trouble incorporating it. You know, I work in a small firm with a lot of older attorneys and, uh, you know, a little more of a traditional atmosphere. And I walk into a conference room with this iPad and it's, Ooh, Katie's got her iPad. My advice there is keep doing it because eventually they're going to not pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I, and I probably, probably should, but there, there is. Now let's talk about notebook though, because you were saying earlier that you like notebook on the iPad. I do like Notebook um, a lot on the iPad. I've been I've been playing. Uh, the developers from Notebook sent us a, a demo version to play with, um, and I've been playing a lot with Notebook. And it is the closest thing to an actual notebook, except it doesn't have my lousy handwriting in it. <laughs> and it, and it really does seem to fit on the iPad, doesn't it? Just it the whole, it, the it it works yeah. really really. Well, on the iPad, it's got a good outlining interface, but not not too detailed um, of an outlining fa- interface because you know sometimes you can just get too detailed that you know you you get to the point where it's it's not really productive anymore. Um, I mean, it's really got all of the features, as far as I can tell, from the Mac application duplicated on the iPad. I it's think it not, does. I think it does. And it's, you not, know, yeah, you it's can, not watered down. I mean, you've got if you've got a notebook on your Mac, as I understand it, it everything pretty much translates over to the iPad. Right now, it does take a little getting used to to learn all the features and exactly how you can set everything up. So I did notice that the first couple of times I used it, um, I spent a little a little more time than I would have liked, you know, figuring out all the features of how to use it. But I think there's going to be that learning curve, you know, in, in just about any application that you want to get into. Um, but you can change text alignment. You can change text font and size. You know, you can drag in photos or, well, not drag in as easily. You can import photos. It's not like you've got a Mac application that you can drag from one window to another a photo just because the iPad, you know, doesn't work that way. Um but but you can add audio notes and uh, I think it has. I think you're right. I you can take voice annotated notes. You can draw in simple lines and shapes. So you know if you want to point to something or put a little star by something, you can do that. I, I didn't find that super useful just because I haven't quite gotten the hang of drawing on the iPad yet. And now the now the the two dings against Notebook are are the price and it's it's still a little slow because it's doing so much. And right. I think on the second point, you know, we, we were able to talk to the developer at Macworld and, you know, he said, look, you know, we're getting it, you know, we're optimizing it and it's getting better. And I can kind of see why this would take some work because they've got so many features in here. And I frankly have a lot of faith in this developer that this is going to get faster. Because, oh, these are, these are great Mac developers. Yeah, exactly. Um, the price though, I don't really agree with the, the complaints about the price, you know? Well, um, it's, you know, everybody wants a 99 cent app. And I don't agree with that, that race to the bottom. Well, I mean, I'm a consumer, so getting this stuff cheaper is great, right? But the, my concern is that people aren't going to take the time to make as feature-rich of an application like this if they can't charge for it. So, you know, this application is $30. Um, I also kind of look at it in context. I keep remembering how much money I used to spend on applications from my Palm <laughs> and you know it was a lot more than this. You know something like this on the Palm would have been like three hundred dollars. You know because 
I mean, like even just I remember the well, something like this never would have worked on. The yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, I just remember um, one spending. I think it was like sixty dollars I spent on an application just to fix the duplicates in my address book because the the OS kept breaking and duplicating everything, and I was happy to because it was making me crazy. Right. Uh, so you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and I'm not trying to be a, a snob about it, but I do think that you know, a developer should be able to charge a reasonable price and. You know, this works with the whole Circus Ponies notebook ecosystem on the Mac. So, you know, if you like it, it's probably worth the money. So, you know, I wouldn't complain about this with this price. I don't think it's out of line. It's just, you know, not as rock bottom cheap as some people are charging. But, you know, maybe there's a reason. So mm-hmm. I would I would recommend you take a look at it. And and they have a pretty good website. And, you know, if you're, if you're using a notebook system, you probably want to get it for your iPad as well. Right. Uh, there's also Evernote on the iPad. Evernote on the iPad. I'm using Evernote um, quite a bit to take notes on the iPad. It's it's probably probably my go-to app on the iPad um, for taking notes. It definitely has a couple of dings against it. It has uh, several things that I, I wish it did better. Um, but first and foremost, I absolutely love the ability that everything is everywhere all the time, and that's what it does and what it does really well. Um, I like that I can pull in all types of documents. So like I said, I'm working on this house. I've got my floor plan. I've got information about all my furniture so I know the exact dimensions of all my furniture um, so that I can talk about those with the designers. I've got text notes. So, you know, I can tell you that the other day I woke up and I decided that I didn't want any bifold doors in this house. So I just picked up my iPad, which was by my bedside, jotted down a note that said, no bifold closet doors, want slider doors, and put put it back down on my night table, rolled over, and went back to sleep. Um, <laughs> and I can see you doing that, Kitty. <laughs> yes. I don't want bifold closet doors, you know. And, and the next time I had a meeting with someone, um, she said, okay, we can take those out of the plans. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've probably got two or three pages, you know, just worth of of, of random notes in here. And, and that's key. Uh, and, and it ultimately, you know, it, it, it's, it's great in that it syncs up. Uh, you can add pictures in, but of course, you know, the iPad can't take pictures. So you can really only add pictures that yet, I guess we should say that yet, maybe by the time this show is released, there will be an iPad that can. Um, but you can do audio recordings on, um, uh, the iPad app, which is, which is kind of cool. And this, I can see, uh, will come in handy, when I'm actually sitting down for meetings uh, with people talking about some of my house plans so I can see actually where I was um, when we were taking the notes. And I've used that feature once or twice. I don't use it all the time, but it is kind of nice to have. Um, And then it's just a very rich, interactive format. The app has locked up on me a couple of times, um, but overall it seems to do pretty good. I like the ability to tag things and search things. Um, but especially because I don't have the 3G-enabled iPad, run into some problems if I'm not in a Wi-Fi hotspot, which thankfully for me is rare. Yeah. Um, biggest downside, two, two major downsides. Uh, uh, number one, no text expander support for Evernote. See, and, I'm done. That's, I'm done right there. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm out. laughs> Um, but you know, te- the, the smile people are working with Evernote. They've got a PDF pen incorporated into the Evernote trunk. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe they can, they can work with them on text expander integration. Uh, and the other one I talked about is, um, I can't find any ability to, uh, you know, absent the pro version to, to save 
a local copy of a note if you if you don't have access to a network. And I think that's even more important on the iPad where you don't necessarily have 3G. Okay. Well, you know, another way to take notes is, you know, getting away from the text ideas is more of a drawing or writing application. And one of the best or more, most popular ones for that is Penultimate, uh, which is $2 in the iPad App Store. And, uh, you know, I got it when it first came out. Everybody was all excited about it. I've never been able to really use it very well. My wife loves it. I play tic-tac-toe with it. Yeah. Well, and and that's the problem with penultimate for me is I can't take notes with my, you know, big sausage fingers on this little iPad screen. They, they come out terrible. I've, I've never, number one, I have horrible handwriting to begin with. And then when you couple horrible handwriting with the iPad, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I went out and bought one of those, um, what are those little pens called? The, uh, I know what you're talking about. The iPad pen. Yeah, one of those pens for the iPad, and and it's like drawing with a crown. Yeah, it's no better. So and it's great. It's it's okay for diagramming for drawing circles and squares and things, but right for writing words. I I bought one, and two hours after I had it, I was I was done with it. Yeah, no, I I stuck it in a drawer and and didn't didn't pull it out again. But I know some people who rave about them. I know um, Jeff Gamut uses his all the time, but I know he does a lot of sketching. So. And I think it'd be good for that, but I just don't think for handwriting notes it's going to work. Um, I think one of the most popular ones is called Notes Plus, which is seven dollars, and it's a uh, it's a more robust uh, note taking application. I mean, it's really built to take notes. You know, going back to the theme here, and it it will record. It will it does a thing where you can write kind of large, and then it writes it down on the screen small, so it kind of like zooms the writing. And I, I, that's the one that made the be, you know, I had the best attempt at actually taking notes on my iPad. I used that in several meetings. And uh, ultimately, I still like my LiveScribe pen better because, you know, um, as I'll talk about later, I used the iPad for other stuff too in meetings. And having to leave the note-taking app to do something else kind of interrupted the flow or the recording or whatever else I was doing. But I think if I was really going to make a serious attempt to take notes on the on the iPad, or if I really wanted to try and make it work, I think I'd take a good look at Notes Plus because it, it's got a lot of power in there. Did you have you seen that one? Um, I've seen it. I've seen it, but yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to put it in the notes. Go check it out. It's it's worth uh, testing out if this is something that interests you. Now, what about getting away from from actual note taking and getting more into mind mapping? Yeah, and, and that's where I kind of get into the area of where I find um, using an iPad in a meeting. That's the kind of the whole point of the post I did today was saying, look, you know, I don't really see as the iPad is replacing my LiveScribe pen because, you know, I can't use my finger as well as I can a pen. And I can't, you know, it, I, I like having the recording running even when I'm jumping around doing other things. And when you use the iPad, you, you lose that ability. Uh, but uh, there are things that I think an iPad is very good for capturing during a meeting and sort of taking notes. And one of them is putting together mind maps. And I'm a big fan of this iThoughts HD. I always like MindNode on the Mac, and it's still my favorite um, application on the Mac for mind mapping. But iThoughts HD, I think they've done a really good job of making it really, you know, wickedly fast to add entries and add, you know, siblings and children uh, entries. Um, yes, I do like the idea of MindThoughts um I thought it's HD because you just it it's it's like a a plant maybe is that a good analogy? Well, it's a mind map, so everything grows. Out everything kind of grows out of it. Um, it, it. My only complaint is that it can get kind of 
too complicated that it's almost overwhelming. So you do have to be careful with it, I guess. Well, with iThoughts, the way it works is they've is got you, some yeah. kind of keyboard macros. So like if you've got an entry and you hit return three times, it creates a new entry right below it on the same level, what they would you know call a sibling. Mm-hmm. And then if you hit the, at the end of an entry, if you hit the space bar three times, it creates a child from that entry. So very quickly, when I'm in a meeting using the iPad, just using the on-screen keyboard, even without a Bluetooth keyboard, I can set up a, a basic mind map very quickly while people are talking. And it's almost as fast for me as using a pen and paper. And in a lot of ways, it's better because I can go in and, you know, the computer will move things around for you. And at the end, you've already got the digital product, so you can save it out to OPML or save it as PDF and mail it to everybody. The whole thing syncs with Dropbox, so it's very easy to share the information or have it available on your Mac. I think iThoughts HD is really good. My node's good as well. They also make an iPad app. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But um, if you want to try mind mapping in a meeting, I would recommend one of those two. Right. And that will also sync. iThoughts HD um, syncs up with MindNode, correct? I'm not sure it does MindNode for me because MindNode, I think, has a specific format. But it does a lot of different mind mapping applications. And it does... OPML, which is for me the the way to get this stuff in between different applications. Okay. Um, another way I take notes is with Simple Note. You know, we talked about notational velocity earlier. Simple Note is the iOS version. You know, that's what allows you to share all this stuff. And you know, uh, it's interesting. Simple Note also now, if you have a paid account, which I think is totally worth it. I think it's like twenty bucks a year. Um, we'll also save copies of all your notes to uh, Dropbox. So you can have a Dropbox folder with copies of these text folders, so you've got them everywhere. But um, I don't use it in meetings to take notes, but I do use it when I'm sitting down researching something. I write stuff down all the time, or as I was talking about earlier when I'm on the phone. So I take notes using Simple Note or Notational Velocity, some flavor of Simple Note text all the time. One thing that we didn't put in the the outline that I use quite a bit is uh, Goodreader. And Goodreader... Is, is an app that does a lot of things and they keep updating it so it does even more and even more and even more. Um, and one of, with one of the newest versions of Goodreader, it actually has the ability to remote sync now to an iDisk, which I think is helpful. Um, and then even in one of the newer versions of Goodreader, um, it also has the ability to do PDF annotations. So yeah, Yeah, but that's really for viewing and annotating PDFs. It's not really taking notes, is it? Well... Perhaps not, but I've had a lot of times where I've I've had things come to me before a meeting, or I've had documents come to me before a meeting, um, and and I take notes a lot of times on other material that's come to me. Yeah. So I just mentioned that for for completeness' sake because that is one of the things that I use quite a bit um, is through annotating PDFs uh, and and making notes on other documents that aren't necessarily mine. And I, and I'd agree with you that in a meeting. Goodreader is a, a fantastic tool. It's not that hard to incorporate Goodreader into your workflow. So you can put all your modified or, or annotated PDFs into it. It allows you to create folder structures and everything right in the application. So you can move things around and set up just the way you want. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you're sitting in the meeting and somebody asks a question and you push a couple buttons and you have the document annotated right there. And if you've got a projector hookup, you have it in front of everybody. Goodreader is an amazing application. Uh, you know, they've really taken over, I think, the PDF management on the Mac. I'm sorry, on the, on the uh, iPad. Too much cold medicine. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I also put in the outline nebulous notes, which is just a really great um, text editor on the iPad. And I know there's a a lot of other ones, people like elements, plain text, and there's some others out there. I I tend to like nebulous notes because it's got macros, which allow me to, you know, do markdown stuff and and some other stuff really easily. Um, But, you know, this is kind of one of those six of one, what do you call it, half dozen of another. I mean, there's a lot of people have a lot of good reasons for liking other text editors. But I think if you're going to take notes using your iPad, you need a good, robust text editor. And even though I love Simple Note for syncing everything, I think that um, Nebulous Notes is better for actually the process of writing stuff out because it's got more variety with the font size and the spacing. It makes it really easy. Hmm. Uh, and then Outliner Pro. Yeah, okay, so Outliner Pro. So I you know, I talked a lot about on the Outliner earlier in the show. And I said, well, there's got to be some kind of outlining application. You know, we don't have on the Outliner yet for the iPad. So I downloaded Outliner Pro. And uh, I, I wasn't impressed with it. Mm. it. Just it just seemed kind of it just looked to me like they didn't spend enough time on it, and and I just didn't find it very usable for me. You know, it's it's too difficult to to manipulate. But it, it is an outlining application on the iPad if you need one right now. Um, what about Omni Outliner Pro? Because they did give us a preview at MacWorld. Yeah, it looks really nice. I mean, I think they spent the time. I I, I know the the guys at Omni group spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to make implement something on the iPad. I mean, we saw that from the very beginning and I think they gave the same attention to what they're doing on the iPad. It's not out yet. So I don't want to say too much because, you know, I'm sure some of the features and the implementation will change, but you can tell that they spent a lot of time on it. I think it's going to be an interesting app when it comes out, mm-hmm. which kind of leads us in to, you know, talking about how we, take notes and let's just kind of talk through our walk through our uh, system. Okay. Can you go first? Yeah, I can do is mine. It, and this cold is killing me. I need to catch my breath. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I think I've, I've talked a little bit about mine, but, um, I use word quite a bit and I, I discuss the reasons why. And I know that makes your eyes want to roll back into the back of your head. And I understand. Um, but again, in my job and the particular position that I'm in, a lot of times I do not work completely independently or I'm only working on a piece of a project and I have to be able to share all of my documents with others. So I have to be very cognizant of how I'm sharing with things. So sometimes I'll take notes in other formats or in text and they'll end up being copy and pasted into a Word file. Um, or if it's something fairly complicated and I'm working on it mostly myself, sometimes I'll use Omni Outliner. Omni Outliner is really my favorite. You know, um, can I say something on that though, really quick? I, I think sometimes ahead. I come across like I hate all this Microsoft stuff. Well, you do. No, I don't really. You know, and and um, especially I think the more recent version of Word is is much much improved over what they started with. I mean, I don't really have that much need for it, and I don't use them too much. But when I do need it, I find that the new version of Word is pretty good. And I remember, you know, in addition to the podcast, I like the woodwork, and I went and took a class from Sam Maloof, who's like a really famous woodworker. If you're in, if you're in that world, you know. And um, Sam had said to me one time, he says, "Look, I use whatever tool I need. You know, if I need to use my teeth, I use my teeth." And I think that can be said for this kind of stuff too. I, I'll, you know, all those cool kids keep trying to make fun of Microsoft Word, but if it gets the job done, then use it. You know. Um, so I use that quite a bit in work. And like I said, I, I use this all throughout law school on my Mac and, and, and it worked. Um, and sometimes you just, you just use what you got. Maybe you already have this on your, on your system. Um, for 
heavy duty stuff, if I'm working on a major project, Omni Outliner is my go-to. Um, you know, it gives you the ultimate control and experience for, for outlining a project. A lot of my projects start in Omni Outliner and end up in a different format. Um, and part of that's just because Omni Outliner is so friendly and being able to export. So I do use Omni Outliner quite a bit. Um, and then Evernote is, is what I use for, um, little notes or little snippets of notes, um, or most recently kind of, kind of for these projects, um, for stuff that is here and there and sinks back and forth and doesn't really need to go anywhere else. So that's kind of my system. Yeah, it, it works. You know, I'm a, I am a big fan of Omni Outliner. I guess, you know, there's two ways I take notes. I take notes when I'm working by myself and that usually involves Omni Outliner and primarily, frankly. And then, you know, I also, I guess an unsung hero in my note taking process is my, my nested folders and my Dropbox system where I can, I can store bits of information like pictures and stuff that people traditionally would put in Yojimbo or Evernote where I just put it in a folder and I can still access it on any device because, it, because Dropbox is so awesome. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how I take notes. And, and I also use notational velocity sometimes depending on, you know, the nature of, of the stuff. If it needs organized, it goes on the outliner. If it's just kind of indexing, uh, it might be, better off in notational velocity. And that's where I do most of my note-taking on my own. Uh, when I'm in a group of people, I like to use uh, my LiveScribe pen, and I, I like to use my uh, my iPad. And I don't use it to take notes so much as I use it to have it as kind of a source of information. In the, in the post, I called it the, um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to Everything. You know, because it's kind of like the Hitchhiker's Guide. You know, you just push a couple buttons, and whatever information you need, there's probably an entry on it in there. So it's very useful for that. So I'll take the iPad into a meeting, but not even open it. It'll just be sitting on my stack of things. And if something comes up where I need it, then I've got it with me. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much has everything in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where Goodreader can really come in handy. Yeah, exactly. Goodreader is great for that. Um, iThoughts, because I always have iThoughts. Um, mind maps built of briefs I'm writing. I have, I use OmniFocus. I've got OmniFocus lists of tasks on a matter. I mean, there's a lot of different places on my iPad that I can find bits and pieces of information I may need related to something that comes up at a meeting. Okay, um, let's talk about our third sponsor, Omni Group. Yeah, our third sponsor is the Omni Group, and I think we've already sung their praises quite a bit, kind of unintentionally, in this show. Um, but, you know, of course, this is the note-taking uh, show, so what would it be if we didn't talk about Omni Outliner, which I think David and I agree uh, is the premier outlining app for Mac and how privileged we are uh, to have sponsors whose products that we're not just pimping because they're sponsors of our shows, but whose products we truly use and love in our everyday lives. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've seen people switch for Omni Outliner. Switch from the PC to the Mac for Omni Outliner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I can see that. Um, but, but like I said, and, and I think we both have our own reasons. The main reason I use Omni Outliner is because it, it allows me to get everything out of my head uh, into kind of a free form outline that I can then grab and manipulate and then and go from there and, and then come back and then add some more and, and, and rearrange and come back and add some more and rearrange. Uh, it, it's got great templates that I, I use for different things as well. Um, it's clean. It's easy. I don't know what else to say. It works. Yeah. It's 40 bucks and, uh, you can get the pro version 
for uh, $70. And uh, if you haven't got it yet on your Mac, you should try it. Like everything at the Omni Group, they have a 30-day trial period. So, you know, give it a, you know, kick the tires, give it a run, and see how it fits for you. And thank you, Omni Group, for supporting the Mac Power users. And for making great software. Yeah. So uh, we've got some feedback. It's uh, backed up a little bit because we did the last show at Macworld. Um, Daniel wrote in about syncing smart groups from the address book. And uh, he talked about, you know, how do you get them on the iOS device? Mm, Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a couple things you can do. You can create a a non-smart group with a similar name and just copy everything over to it. That's one way to do it. It's not really the, the greatest way. Or you can use some of those address book apps that we talked about, like ABC Contacts, and there's another one someone wrote in about that allow you to make your own smart groups on your mobile device. Right. That's got to be something that Apple can fix in a future iOS update. That just seems foolish that that doesn't sync over. Yeah. You know, another thing that I've had difficulty with that was supposed to be made a lot easier with the new CalDev calendaring system, but I've yet to notice it, um, and Elmer wrote in about this, is dealing with calendar invites on the iPad. Um, and this has gotten a lot, this has gotten better, because I saw you sent me a test calendar event from your iPad. Yeah, and when I got the email, I said, well, let's see if it works. Because I use calendar events now all the time. I think it was iOS 4.2. That really, or was it 4.0? It was one of those updates that that brought calendar events in. It was no, it was the most recent update, 4.3, I think. Okay. Um, that brought calendar events, but basically, what you do now is you can you can create an event on your iPad, um, and there's now an option to add invitees. So you can just click invitees, and you can click add, and you can add anybody um, from your address book as an invitee. Um, there's also now um, a, a little, I don't know what you call it, a little drop-down box called invita- invitations. So when you do get an invite that comes in through your mail app, there should be a little link that you can click that will open up your calendar uh, and show you the the invites that you have that you can then accept. So it does work now. Um, you may want to make sure that you're running the most, most up-to-date version of iOS. Yeah, we also heard from Barry, uh, who had a very succinct email. You didn't and should have mentioned the software. <laughs> and he's talking about the spanning tools, which you can find at spanningtools.com. And I'm not sure how I missed this because I even included this stuff in my talk at Macworld about you syncing. You did, yeah. Yeah, so uh, but spanning tools, uh, they used to make spanning sync, which, you know, kind of before the, even the iPhone was out, which was a great tool for synchronizing some of the stuff. These guys have a lot of experience with it. And now they've got this application that can go through and figure out problems with your address book and your contact database. Mm -hmm. So it'll go through and find duplicate entries and offer to try and fix them for you. And it's a, it's a really good bit of software there in the iOS store too. Um, and, uh, but you can check them out at spanningtools.com and we're sorry we missed them. Yeah. Rico wrote in, um, on the subject of calendars and contacts and thought that you all might be interested in a program that he started using called Contactizer Pro. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and basically it's a project management solution that works with iCal, address book, and mails database to filter all of your contacts, calendars, and mail into one location and basically allows you to create projects that link to the information from all these sources. So you can link up emails, tasks, calendar events, and clients uh, to a particular 
project. Um, it uses sync services, and Rico says he hasn't had any problem with it. So uh, I personally have never used this software, but for what it's worth. Yeah, and we heard from Joe, and Joe was uh, one of the listeners that I got to meet at Macworld, and a really nice guy. And uh, he talked about um, using WhoPaste to uh, get information into his address book, which I thought was a great solution. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Joe also asked a question. He said that, um, you know, is there a way to get a spreadsheet view of your contracts in address book? And he says that's kind of a basic feature. and It's not in address book, but it's in Outlook, Entourage, and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, he's right. There is no way to do a spreadsheet view. However, if you want to go and buy yourself a copy of Bento, Bento really uh, becomes Address Book Pro because it, it it accesses your Address Book contact database and lets you add stuff to it, like, like checkboxes and, and spreadsheet views and all sorts of things. So if you want to get more out of Address Book, and this is something I really should have covered when we did the show, uh, get yourself a copy of Bento and you'll be surprised what you can do. Chris wrote in with a, uh, another suggestion um, for getting rid of duplicates. I guess this is a bigger problem than uh, maybe we discussed on our show. But he said, sometimes duplication takes place during syncing, and this is usual. He said, I've experienced in this past. Uh, one tool I've discovered that really works is called Scrubly, S-C-R-U-B-L-Y.com. Uh, and it's a duplicate remover. So you may want to check that out. And, you know, one thing that's interesting now that we've switched to CalDev is that your um, contacts and your calendars or excuse me, your calendars are no longer stored locally on your Mac or your, your primary copy of your calendars. So um, that can be a particular problem if your calendars get borked because it's not necessarily being backed up. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Yep. There's a new Apple knowledge base article on it. I'll try to find it so we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Send me the link because I want to put that in. But, but BusyCal can see your address book fine. Well, BusyCal's reading the CalDev. No, I'm not oh, talking address book. We're talking calendars. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well there you go. You know, um, we did hear from Rish, uh, who had a couple tips. One of the things he said was holding the option key after selecting the contact and address book will show you the other groups that contact belongs to, which I thought was pretty cool. And I had no idea you could do that. Mm -hmm. And he uh, talked about an app called Today, which um, I think kind of grew out of you know Entourage. The last version of Entourage, they added this kind of daily view. And then this Today app showed up, which kind of creates it for the Mac apps. And uh, it's a great app. Uh, I, don't, I don't use it so much, but I've played with it in the past, and it's, it's well done. And I'll put a link for that. In. Yeah. So Stephen wrote in uh, to recommend AB Contacts in Groups, which are great apps for organizing contacts and will help keep them um, both a little more cleaner. He says one of the things that he wants to be able to do is to be able to determine not only what is in specific groups, but when there are contacts who aren't in any group at all. Um, yeah. And that was a feature that was missing. So uh, he can create certain rules to do that. So you may want to uh, check out those apps. We also uh, have one here. Now, what is it that you know our friends uh, John and Dave do at the Mac Stump the Geek? Something we have a stump. We need to get. We, we're stumped here on one. Uh, I heard from uh, from listener. I don't think we have his name. Anonymous. Uh, says, yeah, anonymous listener, Mister Mister BD. Okay, I'll just say that it says BD. Uh, but he wants a way to use his iCal data and show it where it just shows that he's busy, but not what he's doing. So he can show his availability, which is a feature available in Google Calendar, and I know it's available in Outlook. 
And I could not figure out how to make that happen with just your iCal data. I, I know you could, I guess, um, sync it to Google and share it that way, but I didn't know if there's a way to do an iCal. I did a little research. I couldn't find any answer. If anybody has a experience with this problem, let us know. I know you could do this in Entourage and yeah. probably Outlook. I don't know that you can do it in Calendar. So basically you want to be able to share a calendar with somebody, but not the specifics, just the availability. So, so, so he can show his availability with people, without everybody knowing what he's up to. Okay. Okay. Um, so what's our next show going to be? Our next show is going to be all about finding stuff. How is that fun. vague enough? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we should about, give a little more detail. Yeah. We're going to cover spotlight. Uh, we're going to cover, I think a little bit of file naming and tagging. Just how do we keep track of the files on our computer? I think that'll be a fun show. Yeah, I think it will too. All right, let's talk about how you can find us. First and foremost, there's our webpage where you can find links to all of the stuff we talked about in this episode. There's a lot of them, so you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And you can find that at www.macpowerusers.com. Yes, and you can also send us an email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. Uh, you can also, we've got a Google voice number. That number is 706-457-6937 or 706-45-POWER. You can send us Twitter, uh, at Mac Power Users, or follow us. Yeah, or I'm Katie Floyd. And I'm at Mac Sparky. Uh, and we're on Facebook. I recently uploaded uh, some of our Macworld photos on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash macpowerusers. And we love iTunes comments, so uh, keep them coming. All right, David. Well, this has been fun talking about taking notes. I think I've taken a few notes on the topic. And, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out how to find all kinds of things next time. Yeah, leave some notes if you guys uh, have other ideas about how to take notes on your Macs and iOS devices. And uh, I'm sure we'd all love to see them. And once again, thanks to our sponsors, Smile Software, 1Password, and Omni Group for supporting the show. And we'll see you next time.